Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, July 15th, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the podcast. And with me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to share their thoughts on this week's market activity. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. As far as this week's economic data, it was centered around inflation and retail sales. The CPI for June, the Consumer Price Index and Inflation Indicator for June was up 9.1% year over year versus 8.8% expected and higher than last month's read in May of 8.6%. On a month over month basis, it was up 1.3% for June, again, higher than the 1% in May. So inflation continues to surprise almost a carbon copy of what we had last month. On the other side of the equation, Retail sales continue to rise up 1% in June versus 0.9% expected after a lower level back in May of only 0.3%. So the consumer seems to be strong, which is positive for the economy. Initial unemployment claims yesterday were at 244,000 in June, up about 9,000 from the prior week. Again, we continue to monitor this opportunity for what's going on in the overall employment picture. So as we think about this overall CPI print, again, being very hot, Rajiv, what do you think it means for the overall Federal Reserve? And what do you think it means for the overall interest rate policy? So, yes, the Fed is in motion. Uh, The Fed has always said they're going to combat inflation. And uh, with the latest CPI print, uh, the Fed is going to continue with that. Uh, But it's amazing how quickly 100 basis points is back on the table. Um, July July 27th is when we're going to find out what the Fed's going to do. And all odds are now on 100 basis points. It's amazing before the CPI print, uh, 75 basis points was the uh, norm of what the Fed is going to do. And now we're seeing 100 basis points of what the Fed is going to do. And the um, and that's what everybody's expecting. Now, the difference between 100 basis points and 75 basis points, it doesn't seem like a lot. But uh, I think if the Fed decides that we want to go 100 basis points, I think that does change everything as far as what the Fed is going to do going forward. Uh, there were a lot of um, a lot of economists, a lot of uh, investors that thought that, okay, we'll do 75 basis points in July by the Fed, and then perhaps another 75 or another 50. But now you do 100 basis points in July, everything is back on the table again. The odds of a 75 basis point hike for the next meeting after that have increased tremendously. Uh, that CPI print really puts the pressure back on the Fed and to prove that they are behind the curve. And we're going to be very interested to see if they continue to uh, be as, as aggressive as they are. We did see a couple of Fed speakers this week that are trying to walk it back, uh, which is very interesting. Trying to say 75 basis points is what, what most members are thinking, but uh, I think the market's really looking at 100 right now. And uh, I think that's going to continue. So I really feel that uh, 
whatever it takes for inflation to come under control, the Fed's going to do it. 100 basis points is the predictability and the probability of uh, the next hike. What do you think that means for yield curve inversion, Rajiv? Uh, the yield curve has inverted on several points on the yield curve. Um, obviously, the twos, tens, we look at quite a bit. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the twos, tens and uh, the inversion of what it means and how sustainable that inversion is. We did see the 210 invert back in July 5th, and it's remained inverted. Um, I think it really is a strong signal for upcoming recession, but there is that thought that the Fed has, has really distorted the picture as far as all the accommodation that they've done over the years, their balance sheet, what they're going to do. But uh, when you see a twos, tens invert, uh, it's really saying two different things. One, the the front part of the curve is very influenced by Fed policy. So that remains elevated. If you look further out in the curve, the 10-year has not, has not really moved higher as far as the two-year goes. So we've had a, an event where the 10-year has been very sustainable and, and actually moved lower. In the, in the uh, market expectation that we are going into a um, recession. So you're seeing that inversion, it continues that to be that way. Um, I, I personally feel that um, that inversion can, can continue for a while. And uh, it, it has now been since July 5th, where we've seen that inversion, I think that's continuing. So George, same question with the CPI print and then this morning's release on retail sales, which is a little bit more positive. What do you think those two indicators mean for the overall economy going into recession as Rajiv alluded to and any other thoughts that you have in a big picture way? Well, it's it's a really challenging time right now. And uh, I think the, the takeaway for me is you want to really be diversified and really kind of know what you own and why you own it. As we say, you know, having a little bit of cash and dry powder these days is probably not a bad thing. But, you know, I think still equities for the long run are, are, are probably the best place to hedge inflation. There are going to be volatiles we've talked about. Um, that's going to be the case through the rest of this year, I think. But you know, inflation, as Rajiv talked about, as you mentioned, it's it's just really running disturbingly high. I mean, just look at these numbers. I mean, in, in June, we saw gasoline prices up 60%, six zero year over year. They were up 50% in May. Um, you know, electricity up 14%, food up 10, cars up 10, housing up six, you know, the Fed has got to do something and the Fed is determined to do it, it seems like. I mean, markets are kind of ahead of the Fed as, as we've talked about. Um, you know, the Fed has kind of two tough choices, basically. I mean, they they need to raise rates enough to bring inflation down and they'll probably have to push the economy into recession or they could just let inflation um, kind of run hot and get out of control. And I think, as Rajiv pointed out, the markets is trying to convince the Fed that they, they need to do this and they, they should do this. And that means that probably, again, a mild recession might be a case um, to, to kind of think about. I think you also noted the fact, though, that retail sales and other you know, kind of consumer behavior is pretty strong. I was actually in New York this week um, and it seemed like it was more than back. I mean, I don't think, interestingly, the offices weren't as busy as I thought, but the streets were pretty packed and uh, restaurants were full and hotels seemed to be pretty pretty active. I mean, I know that's just a bunch of silly anecdotes, but you know, in hard numbers, retail sales were strong this morning. Amazon Prime sales were up, I think, what, 19% or something ahead of expectations. So the, the consumer wants to spend, the economy is not in recession now, I don't think. The risks are growing that the Fed are going to have to push us there to kind of take some of these inflation pressures off, just like a physician would sometimes have to take a patient into a coma to try and heal uh, him or her. 
So I think that's probably the risk down the road, but right now it seems like things are, are strong enough to kind of withstand some of these pressures. And then I guess on a forward-looking basis, you know, gasoline prices have come down a little bit. I think they're, um, according to some forecasts I've read, slated to fall close to $4 uh, from well over five a few weeks ago. Freight rates seem to be easing off a little bit. So some of the pressures at the ports seem to be easing. I, I've heard kind of conflicting signals in that. But you look at the signals like copper, fertilizer prices, you know, those things are down quite a bit too. So, you know, it's it's going to be a really difficult, I think, kind of um, environment to, to kind of navigate through. And so, again, staying diversified more than anything else is probably really important um, these days in this environment. And then more lately, we've talked about with respect to the stock prices. You know, Steve, I'd like to get your thoughts on, on earnings. I mean, earnings have started to come in a little bit, kind of a mixed picture there, too, so far, it seems like. What do you think? Yeah, earnings have uh, have been a mixed picture, to say the least, George. I, I mean, uh, the... The big one this week was one of the large money center banks uh, coming out and, you know, basically uh, not only cutting guidance, but also taking their share buyback off the table. Um, and, you know, I think that as we go through this corporate earnings season, we're likely going to hear a lot more of that type of commentary, um, whether it's related to the strong dollar for multinational companies having problems translating things back to the U.S. or you know, whether it's just this you know, mixed picture kind of malaise uh, here, here domestically, um, given the fact that we still have supply chain issues that these companies are working through and labor cost pressures that are, are proving more problematic to pass through to the end consumer than, than what people had thought. So to us, it really is going to come down to probably seeing some pressure on margins and uh, how, how, our margins able to hold up as we move through earnings season is going to be be key to the outlook. Um, we do seem to have rolled over a little bit here on forward earnings. Uh, we're down about a dollar from where we were a month ago. It's not a huge decline, um, but the trend is uh, is something that we're definitely going to want to watch uh, as we as we move through the season. You know, talking about the in inflation versus kind of growth trade off is really what I think the market is. Is, rate, is really weighing right now. I think the market's kind of over inflation, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, you, you didn't really see a huge reaction uh, to, the, to the CPI uh, information earlier this week on the equity side. Um, I, I think the market has gotten the message the Fed's gonna, gonna do what it needs to do. Um, I, I, yeah, I, think the market, I, I think the market just wants the Fed to get it over with, right? I mean, the market's saying, oh. just come on, let's get it over with. Correct. I mean, the market's kind of moved on to the discussion of what the what what's going to happen to growth later this year because of what the Fed's going to do. The mar the market's telling the Fed to to move more aggressively because I mean, when you move from when when the market prices in a hundred basis points is the as effectively default option for for July takes the the dovish pivot off the table for September and puts in seventy five basis points. I mean, that gets you to three hundred and fifty on the Fed funds rate. Um, the, the, there are, uh, you know, if you look at the futures market, futures market are telling you that we're gonna start cutting rates from 350 in the first quarter of 2023. I really have my doubts whether that's gonna happen or not. Um, if you take a look at what the inflation numbers are likely to be, yeah, okay, gasoline prices have pulled back. Uh, but if you start to go inside the numbers and look at how that stuff is actually calculated, the rent numbers have a huge impact on it. 
And basically there are increases in the rent numbers baked in the cake for the rest of the year that are gonna cause these inflation numbers to run at at least 7%, uh, 7% if not closer to 9% over the balance of the year. And that's irrespective of what happens with the things that we see every day called food and energy, um, which um, the Fed tries not to pay attention to, but consumers do. So the, the, there's, there's some kind of inside baseball stuff there, uh, of course, uh, but the, the bottom line is we're likely going to be dealing with hot headline numbers for the balance of the year, whether we like it or not. I, 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 like I said, I think the market has kind of gotten the message on this and understands it. The, the real question is going to be how far is the Fed going to push? Is 350 really the terminal rate? If the terminal rate ends up having to be higher than 350, then I think we have some downside risk to equities as we move from now through the balance of the year. If 350 is right, then the market will start to price in that dovish pivot sometime in the fall. Um, and you know, I think then we, then we are going to be in a situation where cyclicals and growth stocks, high multiple growth stocks, are probably going to be a place where, where investors are going to want to be. That's kind of what makes this a really difficult market right now in that you, know, you, you may think that near term the market's going to have problems, but you, you really don't want to position yourself such that you're so uh, that, that that you're so bearish because the if the Fed gets gets dovish because the economy is weakening, um, you are not going to be able to catch up to this market on the upside when they start cutting from a, a position of of already what are negative real rates. Yeah, you've seen a little bit of that change in tenor and uh, said the market internals. Have, things I look at kind of suggest that some of those factor rotations have really, you know, they haven't really moved in a big way yet, but they've kind of sort of inflect a little bit here and there where you start to see, as you mentioned, some of the rotation out of the cyclicals into growth uh, names in particular, which which is probably one of the reasons that, that people think about being just diversified in this environment because you can get really whipsawed pretty quickly. So we tend to take not, um, uh, we tend not to take, I should say, too big bets on those type of things either way. But, you know, Steve, on, on the energy side, I mean, we have seen um, futures, gas, I'm sorry, gasoline futures come down a little bit. Of course, Biden was in the Middle East this week, and next week we'll probably be talking a little bit about Russia and what they may or may not do in Europe. I'm not sure. Do you have any views on on that situation? I, I mean, if you want to talk about R Russia with Europe and the gas situation, look, I, I think that the Russians have historically, even when the it was the Soviet Union, they've talked about um, being a good partner, right? So. I, I, I think that you've got to take them at face value on their desire to deliver gas. They, it's not in their interest to not deliver on contracts that they already have in place. Um, the, the issue for them with this, with the, with the repairs, they always do repairs on Nord Stream 1 during the summer because it's the low season. Um, the, the issue with them is that the, some of the repairs are not done um, and are, are done in countries that are, are taking different views of the way to implement the sanctions, uh, namely these turbines that get repaired, their Siemens turbines that get repaired in Canada, um, and the Canadians didn't want to allow them to be shipped back. So, you know, I think that it's, it's interesting to watch. Uh, I think they're going to turn the gas back on in another week, but it could be chaos if they don't, that there's no doubt about that. Gas prices, as you said earlier, George, look like they're headed to four bucks. In my view, yeah, I think that's probably that's um, hard to really game that out, right? There's so much game theory that could be done with respect to that situation, and uh, probably no pun intended, but it's a pretty fluid one of that. 
So maybe one last uh, turn for you, Rajiv. Any thoughts, I guess, uh, with respect to credit spreads or you know the corporate bond market, kind of how it's positioning and kind of thinking about this uh, this time of this time right now with with the economy conceivably kind of going through this this digestion and maybe this transition, as Steve pointed out, from concerns about inflation uh, versus concerns about growth. So anything that we can kind of glean from the credit market with respect to growth. I mean, it's a very good question, George. I mean, we, we've seen uh, investment grade spreads be orderly, but they've been wider. Um, but I really feel like when we talk about recession, we talk about, you know, uh, the Fed combating inflation. Uh, this whole notion of, of, um, in, of recession being there, uh, we've seen lower rated credits uh, actually really underperform in the last couple of months. Uh, it's being even more pronounced now. Uh, default rates are very low, but... Uh, if you look at triple C market, high yield market, they've actually come under a lot of pressure in the last couple of weeks. The trade of up in quality has been something we've talked about for a very long time, and I think that continues. Uh, to Steve's point, I mean, if we hit a peak of 3.50 in the first quarter of 23, there's also this notion that the Fed will eventually start to cut in the first quarter of 2023. If that happens, um, I do think that some of these uh, lower rated credits, high yield will rally. But to time that is going to be very difficult. I do think that uh, spreads continue to come under pressure, but we have seen a lot of issuers decide that they don't want to come to market in this environment. And if that could be a strong technical for spreads to at least remain orderly. So George, Stephen, Rajiv, thanks again for your insights. We appreciate it as we do every week. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Key private bank and key bank institutional advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp, Insurance Agency USA, Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2022.